Welcome to the Mental Arsenal Podcast, your go-to resource for creating an extraordinary life and business from the inside out. I am your host, Master Life Coach and Business Success Coach, Chris Acebu. This podcast is dedicated to helping purpose-driven leaders and entrepreneurs and ambitious people like you thrive in life and business by mastering the inner game. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Mitch Hankins is a cloud-certified full-stack developer who speaks to professional struggle to find meaning in life. He has developed his expertise by working with some of the largest organizations in the U.S., including NASDAQ and the U.S. military. With over a decade of professional experience, Mitch noticed he and his colleagues often struggled with feelings of isolation. This often led to an unfulfilled life where complacency and loneliness were norms. Mitch currently helps engineers with feelings of loneliness to experience a fuller and more connected life. Mitch also runs his own blog, YouTube channel, and podcast called The Debug Life, and you can learn all about him on thedebuglife.com. So that's thedebuglife.com. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Thank you so much. It's good to be here, Chris. I, uh, I'm going to have a conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I love kicking off these episodes with giving my guests time to talk a little bit about their journey. You know, I like to always appreciate how people got to where they are now, what circumstances or what situations or experiences, you know, took them on that path and then got them to where they are in the present moment. And yeah, I want to give the floor to you to talk a little bit about why you got to where you are now. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, the reason, or I would say the, the, the path to where I got has definitely been a struggle. Um, obviously it's, <laughs> it was rooted, I would say in really getting introspective and wondering what was missing in my life. So I grew up in the Netherlands. I was born and raised in, in Europe, lived there for 20 years. Um, my dad is American, so I enlisted in the force when I was 20 years old. Um, part of that was trying to run away from uh, a lot of unfortunate and uh, traumatic events in my life. And part of that was wanting uh, the promise of freedom, wanting to, to live in America. And mm. so that's that's what I did. I enlisted in the Air Force and I became an air traffic controller. And that's really where I learned um a lot of i would say structure and the things i like and don't like and when it comes to a work environment and then from that i started a computer science degree because the military has all these tuition benefits and i kind of rolled into that because i always had an affinity for computers and i knew that becoming a programmer would allow me to work very independently i would say which is something that i really desired at that point of being under such micromanagement in the military Mm -hmm. And well, that's that's what happened. You know, I continued my degree, and once I moved to Denver, I got a job at NASDAQ, and I built my way up there from a junior software engineer to a senior software engineer. And I think also in that period of time is where my anxiety really kicked into overdrive. You know, I was under a lot of pressure. I really felt a lot of imposter syndrome. I thought, 
you know, they're going to find me out as a fraud at any point. Like, they're going to be like, why do we hire this guy? Why are we paying him? Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And of course, those fears were completely unfounded. But there are so many people that can relate to that. We're doing a fine job, and yet we feel like we're not. And as I continued in that journey, I became really ambitious to improve myself, you know, physically, mentally, um, especially physically and professionally, though. And I really came to the conclusion I need some sort of goal in life. And so I went for financial freedom. I had this idea of if I can make enough income and really not have to depend on an employer and I'll be free. And I you know that desire for control, right, which is probably very mm -hmm. recognizable, then I will finally be happy. And, you know, the closer I got to that goal and the more I achieved certain financial targets um, and I re worked really, really hard at it the more I realized how empty I really felt. Like I was neglecting friends. I was neglecting community. I was neglecting, you know, the fun aspects of life. I mm. had moved around all well, two countries for that states or, or by that point, um, seven different states, um, many different cities. And I failed to really make any close, meaningful relationships. And there came a point about two years ago, two, three years ago, where I really started thinking like, well, you know, what's happening? Why do I feel so empty? And I started looking up coaches. I started looking, going into therapy and really getting introspective. And then it just hit me one day because a therapist I was seeing at the time who specialized in MDR, you know, said to me, you know, Mitch, it doesn't sound like you're unhappy because you've set all these grand goals and you're reaching them and you, you still have this emptiness. Like, it sounds to me like you're unhappy because you're lonely. And I never really realized that up until that point, you know, and then I started kind of looking around me and I saw like how common of a pattern it was that people are wearing, you know, these masks, these lives we're projecting out into the world that we want people to see that aren't really who we are. And especially in like engineering roles and other certain introverted jobs or like analytical people um, have built a very successful career, but are really lacking in the area of community and lifestyle. And so I thought, well, I've made this journey, you know, like I've come to these conclusions and I've learned a lot. I've, I've done so much work on myself. I've read so many books, I've done so many courses, so many retreats, so many therapy sessions. And I'm like, I can pay this forward. You know, I can summarize what I've learned. I can write about it. I can talk about it. I can speak about it and I can raise awareness. I can tell people, like, hey, these are taboo subjects. Like, men don't typically talk about mental health. We don't typically talk about anxiety or depression. You know, we have to be strong. We can't talk about these these things. And, and my message is hiding it, to me, isn't strength. To me, listening to the pain you're experiencing, embracing it, leaning into that curiosity, and building a more meaningful life, that's strength. Show up as you are. And so that's what I'm doing. That's the things I'm writing about. And that's the thing I'm speaking about. And it's an incredibly exciting journey because I get to have conversations like these and I get to talk to people that, you know, who's, who, who resonate with my content. And I get to create those meaningful relationships and make somewhat of a difference in people's lives. And that's made a significant difference in, in my own life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing that. And you see, it, that's why I really love, you know, giving people time to talk about their journey because 
it kind of like adds a richness to whoever, you know, is guesting on the show. And it's really nice to get a context of, you know, where you came from and what you went through to get to where you are now. Uh, because especially with social media these days, it's easy to just see the highlight reel of our lives where you're seeing all the achievements and success and all the happy moments. It's very curated. And we don't get to see, you know, the struggles and the failures and the mistakes that people go through. And we just think like, oh my gosh, like we get this feeling of being left out or, you know, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And we don't, we fail to acknowledge that people go through you know, difficult times. It's just that we don't see it. We're we're blind to that side of their lives. So it's nice that we get to appreciate that. And, you know, it's really powerful to be able to go through those struggles and challenges and failures and and the stuff that you went through and using that as fuel to really get you to where you are now. Absolutely. And I love how, in a way, you know, we can subscribe a meaning through all those struggles because now you're in the best place to help people who are going through those same things so it's not necessarily you know a bad thing and it's in fact you can if you reframe it like it's a great thing that you went through all that um because you now come from a place of like when you're inspiring and motivating others you come from this real place of experience like you've been through these things like it's so easy to read about them in books and learn about them in courses conceptually but it's, it's a different thing to experience them firsthand and you know really coming from that place i think is really powerful when it comes to helping yeah. other people yeah and mm -hmm. and it, you know and i can completely resonate with sort of like how web, overcoming your challenges and, and learning about all these things and learning from your journey and the stuff that you went through took you to that place of wanting to share it with other people. I think that's the natural impulse of, mm -hmm. you know, the brain and even on a woo level, the universal mind, like there's always an impulse to share as you feel so transformed by whatever you learned in self-development in therapy in coaching it's it's all transformative and you can't help but think like oh my gosh like people need to learn about this and even just on a practical level like we know these things are not being taught in schools and we know for most people it's not being taught in their homes too you know being able to master their minds their thoughts how to process their feelings like these are not uh, common conversations that people know about. And so when people learn about it through the work that we do, whether that's podcasting or blogging or any content, really, uh, we can create those shifts in people's lives. And I feel it's so powerful and really fulfilling to be able to get to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as you said earlier about social media, like it's in some ways, it's, you know, one of the best things that's ever happened to us where, you know, I think generations before us, our parents, their parents, they grew up with all these dogmas and statements of, of, of things that can't be talked about or things that can't be shared or things that are just assumed to be true. And, you know, social media, globalization, internet, all these things allow us to share and and really get to know different aspects of life and different ways that people live. And, 
that's incredibly valuable. But it also just with anything, you know, think nuclear, it's nuclear energy, but also the nuclear bomb. And same with social media, like this is a double edged sword. There's that, that, that part of it where it's meant to connect us, but really if we overuse it or don't limit it or don't pay attention, like don't create the proper awareness, especially with young people, it can create, I think, an incredible degree of psychological damage where, you know, we're constantly comparing ourselves, like our bodies or our, um, our health or our financial status, you know, the things we own, the things we do, you know, you're just laying in bed, having a lazy day, you're scrolling through your newsfeed and you see all these people doing awesome stuff. And you're wondering, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I not doing that? Do I not know the right people? Am I not good enough? Like, that's why advertising works, right? Because it it, mm-hmm. it it creates a lack in our mind and that motivates us to buy. And it's the same as social media. It creates a lack in our mind and that causes us to engage. And that can be very damaging if that's all you expose yourself to. You know, if that's the content you see all day long and, you know, there's all these statistics about how much time people are spending on social media. And it's an incredible amount of time. You're talking hours, you know, mm-hmm. um, like if you tally it up like over an entire lifetime people will spend like an entire year on social media or months like it's it's an incredible amount of time and it can be so damaging if it's not used the right way and i know that from personal experience i know that based on the research i've done i know that from what i mean how it impacts the people around me and you know we need to we need to have be at some point where we can say you know this is this is damaging people and it's making them feel certain ways that that aren't necessarily uh, conducive to their way and that makes them feel isolated. And mm-hmm. that's why it's, I think it's so important for us to talk about it, you know, because it's like that lets people know they're not alone. Like other people are going through this too. And it's a very, it's a very calm thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And really, yeah, there is research done on that. Like the more people spent the more time rather people spend on social media the more anxious or depressed that they feel and i've experienced that myself too even if you know you're intentional about it but when you're caught in the rabbit hole and the engagement or the use of social media becomes almost impulsive and, and and mindless you all of a sudden notice a wave of like yeah you start questioning your self-esteem and you know am i doing the right things am i you because we all i think like with social media the number one thing is like we compare our lives to other people's lives yes you know comparison is the killer of joy so i mean yeah so it really takes a certain level of intention like like you said like it's not in it's not evil it's not good or bad um it's about like if we're intentional with our use of of social media and you know there are good sides of it as well as there are bad (laughs) so it's all about like getting clear on like what purpose it serves in our lives if it's really to connect you know yeah or send a message spread a message create awareness about something like i feel like it can also do a lot of good so i want to kind of like circle back earlier in the conversation you talked about you know, achieving certain levels of success, you know, maybe in the way society defines it, all the achieving all these materialistic external things, you know, having a great career, having great finances, having a car, but then feeling empty inside. I think that's something that 
that's worth having a conversation around because that's sort of like a silent battle that I think a lot of people have. Um, and I think this just circles back to having this um, lacking clarity and alignment with, let's say, someone's core beliefs and values and just creating a life based on external expectations and then achieving those things and realizing that they did not bring fulfillment uh, or happiness. So yeah. tell us a little tell us a little bit about your journey in that area in terms of like what the experience was was like in terms of like feeling that emptiness and then I I remember you talked about um getting help from therapy and coaching and how you overcome that. Yeah, so I would say my journey really started um of course everything, you know, at some way or another roots back to childhood but uh, you know it really started with like i said my job at nasdaq where i saw the career opportunities and i saw um how far ambition can take you in this world you know you 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 develop a certain skill set and you can pretty easily figure out like where you will be at a few years from now with certain careers like you can pretty easily map out like this is where i want to be um and this is what I want to be making. This is how I see my life. But, you know, you talked about core values earlier, like where are those goals coming from? So at that time, I hadn't really clarified my core values. Like I didn't really know what drove me. And so I really only asked myself, you know, where do I want to get? And the answer came more so from a source of scarcity than from a place of self-love, right? So it was more so like, I feel a lack of control, you know, because I was abused in the past. So I have to take care of myself. I have to look out for myself. The world isn't going to do it. So uh, that's kind of where my goal came from. And so as I worked towards my goal, the way I felt empty was that even if I achieved something, I, I, I guess I would say I wasn't really happy with the result. You know, it wasn't really something where it's like, oh, I want to celebrate this. It was just like, okay, cool. Did that next thing. <laughs> and then it really you know when you're so focused on the destination and not the journey and that's very cliche but there is a lot of truth to it um if you work towards a goal and you forget to live in the present moment you will end up with regrets because you're going to have wasted time you're going to have a lot of things that you missed out on and mm -hmm. so for me you know the way it manifested is like at some point like now i lived in now i live in san diego and a few years ago when i did one of my goals financially was to have a duplex so that I could have renters and the renters um, uh, rent would essentially cover the mortgage. And, you know, that was a financial goal I had, but I couldn't make that happen in San Diego because the home prices were so high. So I decided to look in a different area in the US where the market was still strong, but there were still um, good deals to be found. And so I moved to Columbus, Ohio. And I moved there, but I didn't bring my community with me, right? I didn't bring friends. And so I had to start all over from scratch there. I couldn't do the things I love. Like I love to surf. I obviously can't do that in Columbus. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of activities that I really love to do, like being outside year round, which I can't do in Columbus because it gets pretty cold there. And even though I did end up meeting really fantastic people, um, again, when I achieved those goals, I was kind of like, well, there's no way to celebrate because... I can't really do the things I love. I don't really have people around me that I've known for a long time that I'm very close to. 
So I learned at that point that any achievements that you're celebrating alone or that you're going through alone, you know, any experience you go through in life that you're going through alone doesn't have meaning because things only have meaning in their experience in relation to other people. Like that's the only, you know, that's where value in life comes from, sharing it with other people. And so, of course, at the time, I didn't fully realize that yet. I hadn't internalized it. And I was so curious about like, well, why do I feel so empty? And of course, now I know it was loneliness from not being able to share those things with others. Um, but at the time, I wasn't aware of that. And so I really, because that I still hadn't really clarity around who I am as a person and what my core values were, um, I didn't really have a framework to, um, to really discover, I suppose, what that emptiness was. And... I only knew that something was wrong. And so because of all that, I just kind of internalized it. And I assumed like, okay, it's me. I'm doing something wrong. I'm bad. And rather than understanding that I was just going about things the wrong way, that I wasn't living like from, you know, a true authentic um, point of view. And coaching is actually what led me to therapy. You know, I had a coach at the time um, because I wanted to get to my goals quicker. I was very impatient. And that coach at some point said, like well have you ever you know considered therapy and uh we talked about it for a little bit and then i serendipitously read this book about um self-healing trauma and in that book emdr was mentioned and um at that time i thought well you know i'm in columbus like there's an emdr therapist around here and i looked up or i looked it up on the internet i saw there's one in columbus and so uh, i started seeing him and he helped me build that framework where of of being able to discover like where that emptiness come from and who i am as a person and when i learned that you know there were a lot of changes to be made but you know going back to the core values part when i discovered okay community is incredibly important to me you know integrity is incredibly important to me you know the state of being whole the state of belonging and and contributing and having some sort of meaning and so I thought, you know, I can have all the money in the world, but that doesn't align with my core values because what will I do with it? Like it, 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 it doesn't align with who I am as a person. And so I kind of put that on the back burner because I knew that's still an important goal in life, financial security, but it wasn't my main priority anymore. And once that kind of clicked, that's when I made the decision to move back to San Diego and become very intentional about, you know, meeting up with friends, having dinner with them, doing shared activities, you know, doing exercising together, climbing together, meeting up, doing fun stuff. And I prioritized that instead of always working. And that's kind of when I noticed a really shift, I would say, in my mental health, where that journey of going from uh, feeling very lonely to feeling fulfilled and feeling a meaningful life, that's really my pivoting point when I started focusing on creating those meaningful relationships. Um, and like I said earlier, I still felt kind of a lack because I mean, having, you know, those close relationships, I, I was still just, you know, what am I supposed to do work-wise? And so I still hadn't fully, um, embraced, I would say my core values in my professional, um, career. And then I realized like, I just need to spend more time on, you know, making my core values shine, shine through. Uh, in my professional career so i i did that by changing my attitude at work you know by becoming more community oriented um as well as developing the beat the debug life to where 
um, a lot of my personal life and professional life are very intertwined where, you know, they, they share a lot of common themes. And I would say that, that that's really the main aspect of, 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 of how my journey went of going from not having anyone around me to surrounding myself with the right people like, you know, that coach and the therapist and relying on them uh, to build a framework for self-discovery and acting on that self-discovery and having like the community to lean on to implement it. Um, you know, those, those are just such big themes for me. And that, that's just what I want everyone to know is you have to surround yourself with the right people and you have to get curious about yourself and you have to have the courage to really, to really do something about it. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And I really love that, you know, we can appreciate and acknowledge the power of relationships and community. I think in the world right now, it's so easy to have this individualistic mindset. You know, we get too independent and too self-reliant. Not that those are, again, inherently bad. Like, it's always good to have some degree of independence and self-reliance. But as human beings, like, we're wired for social connections. And that's how we've evolved. And that's how we will continue to evolve. Like, there's always a social aspect into our own personal and professional development, like the best things in life, the, in terms of personal and professional success are always achieved with other people. It's not achieved in isolation. And I think that's very powerful. And to me also, that's one of my biggest personal values, like community and family. I'm very close with my family and, you know, I'll, And the really great thing here when it comes to values that I want our viewers and listeners to appreciate is that when you're clear on your values, they become filtrational. They help you decide or weed out what's important from what's not important. And they actually help create clarity around the decisions that we make in life. And we now come from a place of like you said earlier we feel more authentic when we're aligned with those values and whatever we achieve that's in service of those values creates so much fulfillment um yeah yeah, and and that's very powerful for people to get because um there needs to be like we need to distinguish between external values of fame money and you know accolades and status and power with like internal values, because those are different. Um, so I think what would benefit, you know, our viewers and listeners would be like, can you walk us through the, um, you talked about a framework. If there's, uh, like as, as succinctly as you can, what was that process of you personally getting clear on your own values? I, I love that, yeah. So the 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 short version of this i would say is if you set goals without having core values you don't know if your goal is going to bring you in the if if it's aimed in the right direction you know it's kind of like saying i'm going to mile a mile or sorry (laughs) english is hard i'm going to walk for a mile and i don't know whether i'm walking northeast south or west you know you need to have a compass you need to have a direction so Core values are like your compass and um, your goals and such are kind of like the map. And you need to know which direction you're going in in order to say or in order to know what's important, just like you said, Um, because anytime that I need to prioritize things during the day, 
I always refer to my core values. And then the decision immediately becomes clear. Like the most difficult decision, whenever I refer back to my core values, becomes incredibly clear. So where I went wrong was just setting a goal without really having my core values clear. And one of the things I always tell people is have your core values first and then create a plan. You know, so set your core, va- core values, envision like what your life will look three years from now, two years from now, one year from now, and then you can start breaking it down into small chunks. Because if I say, well, you know, I have these and these core values and I have this big gigantic goal, then I'm just going to feel overwhelmed. So you need to break things down. And I do that on a weekly basis. So I say like, okay, I have this one year, one year goal. And I mean, let's make it something like an example. Like, let's say I want to swim. This was one of my previous goals. So let's say I want to swim two miles. You know, that's 140 laps. So if I know a year from now, I want to be swimming 140 laps, then I know that that's about, you know, I have to go about 10 10 laps extra a month, for example. And then I know, well, that means that I have to go about two extra laps every week. So then I can break it down. So instead of having to say like, oh, I got to go from zero to 140 laps, which is an, an incredible task. Now, you know, all I have to do is increase by two laps every single week. And when you break it down like that, it becomes much more manageable. So again, set your core values, create a three-year vision of what is your life going to look like three years from now, and then create a one-year goal. And then you keep breaking that goal down until you have small enough chunks that feel very manageable to you. And the way I did this is by asking myself, well, what sort of things really resonate with me? And you can look up like you know, uh, you can Google something like most popular core values and see what resonates with you. And that might sound a little silly, but the way that the reason that works is because you're going to feel drawn to something and you're going to not stick with that the rest of your life. You know, these core values aren't fixed. Like I used to have um, courage, justice, and wisdom. Those were my first three core values because they come from um, stoicism. And I valued those very much because you know, courage is still one of them, the willingness to act in spite of the presence of fear, which is very important to me, you know, being yourself in spite of what other people think or say. And wisdom is uh, the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. And justice is um, always doing the right thing. And so it's more, it's, it's the practical and theoretical side of things. And then I noticed that they didn't always apply. You know, I reflected on them a lot and I just kind of noticed they, they don't always apply, like they don't always feel right. And so mm. then one of the things I realized is that I'm, I've always been a very analytical person. I've always kind of suppressed the emotional side of things um, because from my experience, emotions got me into trouble and logic kind of kept me safe. So, you know, I kind of suppressed that and then I realized like, well, you know, emotions are actually incredibly important. So now they're one of my core values that may not be for everyone. It may not resonate with everyone. But for me, it's a very important core value. Um, Another one is freedom. You know, I've always felt very, um, I would say, controlled uh, or like somebody else was making decisions for me, uh, including Mm -hmm. like my time in the military. So freedom, I knew, was a big one for me. And for me, freedom literally means freedom from dominion. And so every time I hear that word, I'm like, hell yeah, like it resonates with me. It means something to me. So, yeah. you know, if I were to walk people through finding your core values is think about the themes in your life, like what sort of patterns come up and how can you connect those to like words that resonate with you? And mm. then when you have certain decisions to make, like, let's say you, you get two job offers 
and one of them pays a little bit more and the other one has more freedom. Well, for someone who has a core value of freedom, the decision is going to be incredibly clear. And that's why they're so important. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you know which choice to make, and that's going to be a lot more happiness in the future just by having thought about like what's important to you. So, you know, you find those core values that resonate with you, you make your daily decisions with them, and you see, like, do I need to swap something out? Do I need to stick with something? Do I need to change something? And once you have those core values, you can start planning, like you can start setting goals. And when you achieve those goals, or when you need to adjust them, you can refer back to your core values. And you can decide whether they were worth it or not. And then, you know, it's a very iterative approach where you're not, it's not a one and done deal. You know, you, you either change a goal, you cancel it, or you adapt it. And you kind of refer back to your core values and see how you feel about it. And then over the years, you just kind of start building a sort of trust in yourself. And, and, and you have like these, these core values to always refer back to. And all of a sudden, planning for the future just becomes more simple, not easier, but simple, like more straightforward. Like you still have to put in the work. Um, you still have to, you know, push through obstacles and suffer here and there. But at least you know why you're doing it. And that's why it's so important to have those core values. And that's that's really how I did it. Just trial and error and seeing what feels right. Absolutely. And that resonates with me. You know, as a coach, that's always one of the things that I want my clients to get clear on first. What are their core values? And you're so right. Before we should set goals and we should set goals, we all should, we always should set it from that foundation of clear values. I really like how you shared too, you know, the iterative process. Like it's not uh you know, one time you get clear on your values, like it evolves over time, depending on your circumstances, depending on your life stage. And it's comforting to know that it's not fixed, like you're not wed to speak values, like it evolves over time. And it evolves as long as you learn in the process, you get feedback from, you know, if whether those values serve you in your current life stage or not. And yeah, I think it's very freeing to know that I can change at any time. But I do have to get clear on them in the first place. I like to think of core values as foundational work. It's um, something that a lot of people might, like you said earlier, even with the exercise that you shared, which was really awesome, that it might feel silly. And this feeling of silliness kind of like lets people just brush it off and maybe think that, you know, getting clear on these things is unnecessary or um, and silly, like you said, but uh, even for some people, it might feel boring or like, you know, whatever, I don't care. But it really is powerful when you get clear on these yeah. things. And it's such a simple exercise that you can do. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. And, you know, thank you also for sharing those exercises, like even just researching a list of common values. And I really like the word that you use, uh, find what resonates i love that word resonance like what resonates with you so resonates um to our viewers and listeners it's just like an intuitive feeling a gut feeling of like oh that that resonates with me it's hard to explain it but it's like nothing you have to intellectualize you just get an inner knowing you know that i this resonates and and sometimes it's a specific word. So if a word does not completely resonate with you, like 
look for synonyms and you know just enjoy the process have fun you know this should not feel like homework that we get from school <laughs> although i know some people enjoy that but it's like think of it as like a like you said like an opportunity to learn more about self to to discover you know those parts of yourself those aspects and is really powerful really it, it's so easy to to overlook these things but when you get clear on your values that's one of the activities that really give you instant massive clarity uh, whether that's in your life or business and one more thing i want to mention also that you talked about is like the recurring themes i think that's so powerful too so to our viewers and listeners can break your life down into specific aspects like your uh, career, your relationships, your business, your finances, uh, your health and wellness, um, and all aspects that include that, like your physical health, emotional health, mental health, your spirituality, and look at the themes in those areas uh, and really asking questions. I love how you share that. You know, you just ask yourself. It's really just about asking simple questions that pull the answers from the mind, and the mind likes yeah. to answer questions. So if you just ask like, yeah, so what's most important to me? What do I value here? What do I value in relationships? Or what lights me up in my work? Something like that. And get really curious. Again, this doesn't have to be a grueling, like boring process. It can be really fun. And self-discovery is always really fun and insightful, especially when you get to moments of when you see a pattern that was previously unconscious like you were not aware like oh i didn't know i operated that way i thought that yes. way i process yeah. things that way so yeah so i highly encourage everyone to give this a try um especially when setting goals you know um getting clear on those values first yeah yeah i i couldn't agree more like it's you know the, the best way i could put it the core values are your compass and your goals are like the map but map doesn't always match the terrain. It's only an approximation. So when you walk that terrain, you got to adjust the map. You got to update the map. And it's an iterative process. But if you have your curve values, you know the direction you're going in. You know you're going in the right direction. You can always adjust it. And then you update the map as you go. And that's life. That is, yeah. that's all there is to it. Yeah. And one thing that came up for me in the areas of core values is the motivation that comes yeah. naturally when you have clear values. When you're clear on what's most important to you and you use that as a filtrational system for what values you set or what direction you go, what path you take, you feel naturally motivated because it's aligned with something from deep within you. So like you said earlier, right? With freedom and how you decide, you know, career path to take. Yes. And you said earlier, it becomes very easy. It's so clear. Without the value, you would be so confused, you know, what to decide. You know, you won't know, you know, it seems logical to take the higher paying job, but then if you value freedom more, then it's obvious. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful it, to have that level of clarity. Yeah. And it gives a lot of confidence. You know, I think I think we're told, I would say self-improvement isn't so much as learning new things as it is about unlearning. 
You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I like the visualize that image of like, um, I've never seen it, but it's like this statue of this little man that's like chipping away at himself. Yeah. Um, that's what self-improvement is almost to me. It's almost like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. we're, I think this is how Marianne Webster put it. Like we're all this bornness as being a flight. And as we grow up, people just muddy. like they throw, not in a bad intentions way, not in like a people want to hurt us way, but just our light gets dimmed by all these layers of mud that are put on us. And our, our, light, our light gets less and less bright and to the point where we don't even know what we are anymore and what we want in life. And the I whole process is just like letting that light shine again and just kind of like shedding those layers. You know, that's, and that's what core values let you do because you're not going to get it right the first time. You know, when I think back to curse, justice, and wisdom, I'm like, yeah, they're important to me, but mostly because that's what I've been told is important. You know, not because mm -hmm. that's truly resonates with me, not because it's truly like things that, that set me on fires and you adjust it. That's what I did. I learned like, okay, these are kind of in the direction I want to go, but not exactly. I need to adjust a couple of degrees and that's when you adjust them and you get closer and closer and closer, but it, it takes curiosity and it takes effort and it takes the willingness to accept that adjusting something isn't failure. Like saying, I am going to adjust this goal or cancel it and set a different one. That's not failing. That's just implementing, you know, knowledge that you've learned. Yeah. And I really love that word, willingness. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's always the first step to personal transformation. Like you just at least have to be willing. That's yes. so powerful. Yeah. And that completely resonates with me too, on learning. I think that's how knowledge gained by learning things and wisdom is gained by unlearning things. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And yeah, life becomes a journey of returning to innocence, as I like to call it, like to that having that childlike awe and wonder. Like you said, like we're born into this world without a sense of ego. And then eventually we develop, hopefully, a healthy ego to operate in the world. But yeah, unlearning helps us go back into that version of ourselves that has no opinions about things, has no preference. You know, the reason why all adults love babies is that babies are just themselves. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they don't wear masks. They're not pretentious. Yeah. They express their emotions, whether that's through crying or smiling. Um, they're authentic. And that resonates with adults. And we forget that that's our true nature. We do. Yeah, and it's, it's scary, too, because that identity, it's I think it's very comparable to trauma, like defense mechanisms and trauma, where you learn these mechanisms that keep you safe. And then mm -hmm. when you've had those for a few decades, your subconscious has automated them like that's what the brain does. You know, it, it wants to conserve energy, so it automates certain behaviors. And it feels scary to unlearn them, even though they're holding you back, like limiting beliefs and all these different things. They're holding you back, but they've kept you safe. And it's yes. the same with every other experience in life. It's not that your ego or the framework you've built for yourself or your beliefs you have about yourself or the lack of values is not that you're doing anything wrong. You know, that, that's what got you to this point. That's what's kept you safe so far. But it's also yeah. your own prison. So, yeah. It's a very much the willingness again to say, hey, I'm going to step outside of this prison. I'm going to let down my mask. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to have the willingness to find who I am as a person and act on that. And 
be willing to accept the risk of that it's scary, but also know that the payoff is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. It's called comfort zone for a reason. It's comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's the reason why people stay there. It's comfortable. And going outside the comfort zone is uncomfortable. It's scary. It feels risky. But then that's just the brain misinterpreting that when we go outside our comfort zone, that we risk our safety and security, but actually we don't. (laughs) So it's all about just playing around the edges. Uh, of the comfort zone you know we don't have to take that giant leap because yeah that can be very scary for people but you're right there is a level of fear and discomfort when we go to those places especially things that we have become so comfortable with uh, patterns of thinking and habitual thoughts and behaviors that have kept us safe all these years and, you know, that's just the brain doing its job. Like, it's optimized to keep us alive. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's such a good point because that's, a, you know, even when you think about it, like human beings have evolved for millions of years. And now we have houses. Now we have some, you know, some, some social nets. Like if you lose a job, you might get unemployment. We have some protections. But for 99.99999% of the time that our brains have been developing, exclusion meant death. Like if you weren't part of the tribe, if you weren't part of the clan, if you got banished somehow or, you know, you you were left alone somehow, abandoned somehow, it meant death. So we are very strongly wired to seek the approval of others, to feel safe, to stay comfortable, because comfortable means alive. But there's a difference between alive and thriving. You know, I'm, 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 that's, there's such a big difference. So comfort yeah. zone is, is not where you grow. You know, you can even compare it to um, biological mechanisms. Like think if you, you know, weightlifting, if you go to the gym and you do the same exercises, the same weight, you're not going to change because your body isn't being challenged. The muscle fibers are already, their output is already good enough for what you're doing. You have to go yeah. outside of this comfort zone in order to force them to grow. And it's the exact same with your brain, with your spirit. Yeah. If you're not encountering situations that challenge you, there is no incentive for your for your body to grow, so why would it? Yeah. Oh, I love that analogy with going to the gym, uh, because, like I said earlier, like you don't want to take that giant leap of faith. Just like with going to the gym, like you don't want to lift, especially if you're still starting out, the heaviest weights right away, because that's right. gonna injure you and that's gonna put you off from training for weeks at a time. So I like what you said earlier, and even earlier in the call, you talked about. Was it swimming? You know, it's incremental. It's one step at a time. And it's all about, I love that word, challenge. That is such a powerful word because we need to distinguish a challenge from a threat. You know, when we feel challenged and threat, um, the same physiological responses come up. There's an increase in heart rate, an increase in breathing, increase in blood pressure. But there is a key distinction with challenge, actually, the difference is that the arteries expand to oxygenate the whole body. Uh, whereas for a threat, it's like, uh, uh, we want to run and hide. But for challenge, it actually energizes the body. That's a very yes. powerful distinction. And I really love that that word too. And yeah, so it's really just about challenging yourself a little bit. I think there's the um, 2% rule, like 2% or no, 4%. Just make it 4% 
harder than the previous level. And, you know, that's kind of hard to quantify. Like, what is 4% harder? But it's like you get a gut feel of like when you feel stretched. So, yeah, get And the really great thing about this is like, like you said, like it is uncomfortable, but that's only in the beginning. Like when you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, oh my gosh, your our growth accelerates because now we're being, you know, it's a new comfort zone. We're being, we're being comfortable with the things that we used to be uncomfortable with or fearful about Mm -hmm. and growth just accelerates because now we allow the discomfort to stretch us and that's like you said how we really grow it's through challenge and, and rising above you know those challenges yeah and I, yeah. I you know i i couldn't agree more and also i i would say like some people might make an argument like well why do we have to grow you know why why can't we just stay the way we are and you know i do want to say i do think everybody is born perfect i don't think you need to be a certain way in order to be loved yeah. or to belong like you are perfect the way you are you are perfect the way you are in this moment but anything in nature either grows or dies. There is no in between. Yeah. And failing to grow, like even if you look at cognitive health, I'm sure you can come back this up because you have a lot more of the medical background, but the people that don't develop Alzheimer's that have less cognitive decline are the people that keep the brain challenged. Like people that do yeah. puzzles, people that do crosswords, people that keep yeah. the brain active are the people that live the longest. People that keep their body physically challenged are the people who will be able to walk into old age. People that don't do anything, people that stay comfortable, people that don't grow are the quickest to decline. So it's for longevity. It's for a happy life. You don't grow because you're not good enough. You grow Mm -hmm. so you can have a longer life filled with more of the things that you already are. Yeah. I really love that. Thanks for sharing and, and mentioning that. And even just to include concepts on spirituality really the impulse of the universe is expansion and you know we are aspect of that universal mind i know this sounds weird for some of our viewers and listeners but the the universe is is ever expanding and because we share that nature with the universe it is in our impulse to expand and that just means to grow just like a seed turns into a pine tree and a fetus turns into a baby our impulse as humans is to actualize our God-given potentials and gifts and share that with the world. And you're so right. This is something that is inherent in us. That is why when we are living a life that's not aligned with our core values, when we're working towards meaningful and worthwhile goals, when we know we're playing small, there's a part of us that knows intuitively that you know that's not what life should be there's always this impulse to grow and that's why we always feel like oh you know (laughs) we feel emotionally down however that manifests as maybe as loneliness or depression or anxiety all those low frequency emotions manifest when we're not living up to our greatness there's always that impulse in all of us Um, maybe for some people we have been led to believe that we're only capable of doing so much but you know, from what we hear from other people, from our peers, our parents, or teachers. And like you said, they don't necessarily do that knowingly. Um, that, and that's why we need to be self-assured and develop a healthy self-esteem and really come from that place of growth. Not We're not want to grow because we want to prove ourselves 
to other people um, or try to prove our worth. Because like you said, we're perfect as we already are. We're already worthy as we already are. And from that place of self radical self-acceptance of loving and accepting ourselves from who we already are, it is the perfect place to come from uh, to grow. And it's so interesting that when we love ourselves and accept ourselves as we already are, yes, you know, we just grow as a, as a result of that. It's a perfect place to come from. So thank you so much for mentioning that. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. You know, it's it's hard. It's not easy. Like when you have all these people saying like, stop being lazy, do this, wake up early, do this, do that. Like mm. there is a part of empathy there because people, you know, we receive so many messages from society about how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to be every ever since we're children. You know, it's like, even if the messages towards us are intended as good, like, oh, if you do this, you're a good boy. If you do that, you're a bad girl. You know, the messages we're hearing that are silent is like the needs I have, the emotions I have aren't good. You know, if I do something that feels good, I am bad. Like, the, so those are the messages that we're internalizing. So we're just learning our whole life to kind of disown our own reality. And, you know, of course, that's to varying degrees, but you know, you see it in everybody, like you see people self-medicating, whether that's like with, um, you know, watching too much TV or, um, you know, drinking alcohol or smoking weed or um, spending a lot of time on social media or, you know, otherwise just kind of killing that time as if there is such a thing mm-hmm. because we're not connected to our own needs and our own wants and our own desires. And that wasn't meant um by people that did that to us like they meant good for us but that doesn't mean that we haven't internalized certain things and and that makes it incredibly hard um because we feel that we express our true selves we feel wrong somehow because you know we've been trained our whole lives not to do that um Mm -hmm. you start noticing i think you can have probably experienced this too that once you step into that person you are once you step into the person you were born to be the person the universe needs you to be um you know, just like every cell in your body has a function, every human being has a function in the living organism of the universe. And you'll start yeah. noticing that when you step into that role, people may not always encourage you, but once you do it, um, all of a sudden you start attracting the right people and you start really getting uh, a certain kind of respect for showing up as the person that you are. And it feels incredibly good. It's a little bit scary to get there. But once you get used to it, and as you said earlier in the conversation, once you get used to, once you get comfortable being uncomfortable, um, you start feeling incredibly powerful. Wow. That's so beautiful. You articulated that so beautifully. And, you you know, I I love that analogy too, like with cells, you know, we have a unique function in the world, (laughs) you know. Whether, you know, there's a liver cell, a heart cell, a lung cell, they all serve a unique function and they work collaboratively with other cells. And when a cell gets too selfish and, you know, it does its own things and it hoards resources and whatever, and that's what we call cancer. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. So I love that. And one last thing before we wrap up, I love that you mentioned, too, about, you know, for many of us, if not all of us, you know, we always hear this script from the adults in our lives that, you know, we when we do something or don't do something, that we're a good boy or girl or a bad boy or girl. Um, like you said, you know, they don't have ill intentions for saying that, but in our psyche, that creates a condition that in order for us to be good, 
you know, we need to behave and think a certain way. Uh, if not, we're bad. And we need to relinquish that script because, you know, again, it's it creates a condition around our worth and self-esteem because regardless of those conditions, we are already enough. We're good. That is our inherent nature, regardless of the external circumstances. Like that is our true nature is our essence is goodness and innocence and love and light and abundance and i think that's so powerful for people to get and you know it's hard to just talk about these things because i like to think that in the areas of spirituality it's hard to describe things on an intellectual level on a conceptual level like it's so easy to talk about you know these things but how we really learn these things is on an experiential level Yes. So to our viewers, listeners, you know, just think about what's your experience and really take a moment to pause and be quiet and introspect. And yeah, it'll, it will give you so much insight about yourself, about your essence and about why you're here in the world, your unique gift and purpose. And yeah, it, it's such a powerful exercise. Maybe the exercise, again, might feel uncomfortable if you're not used to it. But again, when you sit with the process, like, wow, you learn so much. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I would say, you know, as far as actually doing that, the practical side, I recommend anyone startling. Like I was told by that coach, who's also a very close friend, I consider him my brother. Um, you know, I was told for years that journal, journal, journal. And I'm like, I don't know why. At the time, it just didn't sound right. But the mm. truth is that journaling is one of the most powerful introspe introspective tools that you can that you can use because you know you read back a year later or like a few months later, and you get to see your growth. You get to see what you thought, and I can guarantee you that it's going to transform your world. Like, just if you're curious about something, if you have certain fears, if you have certain desires, just write about them. You know, create yeah. a morning routine, like wake up five or 10 minutes earlier, spend a couple of time minutes writing. And I can guarantee you, if you make it a daily habit and you stick with it, it will change your life. That's one of the easiest yeah. things. You can do. I love that. And yeah, you know, writing is a great way to externalize. So to our viewers and listeners, you know, if you're having these circular thoughts, if you're ruminating, if you're anxious or worried about the same thing over and over again, write it down. That's how you unload it. And I totally agree. Journaling is so powerful. I I'm curious though, Mitch, um, do you have a preference in terms of like journaling? Do you write analog or digital? So I do it digitally, but I have a preference for analog. Um, mm. <laughs> my reasons are kind of more so, I guess, personal based for me. But I, first of all, I have terrible handwriting. I've tried to improve it, but it's very difficult. So um, it's just hard to read back. It's hard to refer to. So I use an app called Day One, which is kind of cool because I get to add pictures. I have like mm. a prompt set up. So like my questions are like, um, I log a couple of things like how I feel, what my thoughts are, and then I um, kind of uh, t like I have prompts around fear, those sorts of things, and then I can tag it with some things. And then also I get to click a button that says like read journal from like prior years, so it'll show. I think I'm on like an 850 day streak or so, so it'll show oh. me you know the day, the years prior, and then I get to see what I thought one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and that's one of the favorite parts of my day where I'm like, I just get to read. It's, it's just so cool to get those. So that, that's kind of why I have that preference. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah, totally. All right. So as we get to the last part, like Mitch, can you tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about how they can learn more about you and the work that you do, how they can connect with you uh, on social media, on your blog, podcast, or show. And yeah. <laughs> sure, I would love to. Yeah, so the main thing that I really want to address within our society is just kind of normalizing mental health and being the guy that stands up and say like, hey, I suffer from these things, okay, if you do. And so I think it has a huge impact, anxiety and depression, I think over half of Americans are affected, affected by it in one way or the other. And if you mm -hmm. aren't, then you probably know someone that is. So one of the things I did is create um, six habits around them that kind of help me manage my anxiety and, and depression. And if I don't do them daily, it definitely takes a toll. So I wrote a little free ebook about it that people can download by going to my website at thedebuglife.com. Um, I also write, as you mentioned earlier, blogs about everything we've talked about, anything from social media to exercising to nutrition to mental health, all sorts of different stuff that we've talked about, core values, school setting. Um, so people can read that at my blog at The Debug Life. And then also what I do is I share a lot of um, my life, such as my morning routine or you know how I implement the things I write about, the activities that I do. Uh, I post a lot about that on social media, on Instagram. Uh, um, and the sandals there, the same debug life. So people can look me up there as well. And I encourage anyone who's interested, please do send me a message. I respond to everything personally. And I just love to have conversations with people. So um, yeah, please do go on and find me there. Fantastic. So you know where to find Mitch. And Mitch, thank you so much for spending this past hour with me talking about the things that we really care about. Um, it was such a insightful and fruitful and fun conversation really I'm bouncing these ideas with you and hopefully our viewers and listeners you know are, can learn along the way so thank you so much for again really i'm infinitely grateful to be able to have this conversation with you thank you too chris i really appreciate your time and thanks for you know having this conversation with me and providing the space and 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 thanks for the listeners for listening and um yeah, I, I hope um, I get to talk plenty more to, to you and everyone listening. Absolutely. Thanks. So remember to follow your heart, to believe in yourself, and to take action. And remember that success is something you attract by the person you become. We'll catch you next time on the Mental Arsenal Podcast. Hey, go-getter. Want to know a quick way to boost your motivation and productivity? Three words. Crystal clear goals. I have a guide for it. It's called Goalbook, your guide to crystal clear goals. Head on over to chrisacebu.com slash goalbook and grab your free copy now.